Hello, this is Pastor Patrick Hines here at Google Heights Presbyterian Church for another Pulpit Supplemental. I want to do a special program today on uh, the issue of uh, justification, uh, on the issue of sanctification, um, saving faith, and good works, the fruits of faith. And um, I got uh, into a little bit of a dust-up this past week, and I know this fellow has, has responded Again, and I, I haven't looked at what he, uh, his last response, because it's very obvious he's not listening uh, to what I'm saying. Um, RPCNA Covenanter is his name, and he uh, uh, posted uh, some nasty comments um, just attacking me and <clears throat> not listening at all uh, to what John Piper's saying, blah, blah, blah. Trying to say that this has something to do with Kleinianism and um, all sorts of wonderful, fun stuff. And, you know, then he asks me, uh, directly, well, would does Piper ever speak of merit? <laughs> you don't need to use the word merit to teach a false gospel. The Judaizers didn't uh, use the word merit. Um, also, um, he, he says, you know, well, does, does Piper specifically speak of initial justification? Yes, he does. Um, in his article, um, does, does James contradict Paul? He speaks of faith. In fact, let me, um, let me pull the quotation here, if I can find it uh, real quick. I should have had this queued up before him. Um, the, the quotations um, and the, the statements that he's made and has been making for years, uh, for years and years and years, um, are right there. They're available uh, in his books and in his articles. Okay, so let me, here it is. Here's uh, my file. Let me see if I can get this here. Um, okay, yes. <laughs> so so here here is... Uh, here, here's a quotation. Here's, here's a couple that, that are really important, okay? Really important stuff. Uh, okay, this is from his book, um, from the, A Justification Debate, a primer, the thing where he corresponded with N.T. Wright. He says, Present justification is based on the substitutionary work of Christ alone, enjoyed in union with him through faith alone. Future justification is the open confirmation and declaration that in Christ we are perfectly blameless before God. This final judgment accords with our works. Okay, so this, this future justification accords with our works. That is, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives will be brought forward as the evidence and confirmation of true faith and union with Christ. Without that validating transformation, there will be no future salvation. And then in his article, Does James Contradict Paul?, he says, only faith obtains the verdict, not guilty, when we become Christians. Works of any kind are not acceptable in the moment of initial justification. Okay, um, that's real important. Okay, I've, I've said uh, for years, in fact, here's the broader quotation. Here, here's uh, from James, does James contradict Paul? Here's the broader paragraph of, of that sentence. So when Paul renounces justification by works... He renounces the view that anything we do along with faith is credited to us as righteousness. Only faith obtains the verdict not guilty when we become Christians. Works of any kind are not acceptable in the moment of initial justification. For James, justification by works, which he accepts, means, quote, maintaining a right standing with God by faith along with the necessary evidence of faith, namely the works of love. End quote. So there, there's Piper for you. Okay? So justification is just talking about your the initial step when we become Christians. And then we maintain a right standing with God by 
works of love. Okay, that's not the gospel. That's not Christianity. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the Reformed Confessions teach. That's not what Luther taught, Calvin taught, Turretin taught, Burkhoff, Raymond, Dabney, Thornwell, Old Princeton, the second generation reformers. They did not teach. We maintain our right standing with God by works. Nor did they teach final salvation by works of love. They did not teach that justification was something that had an initial aspect and a final aspect, or a future aspect. Initial justification and then final justification, or final salvation. That's not the truth, and that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Christianity is. And this guy, you know, RPCNA Covenanter, whoever he is, and I know he's responded again. I've, I'm, not, I'm not even sure I'm going to read it, um, because it was very clear from his uh, response to my initial response that he didn't read that either. Um, so... The, he gave me his credentials. He's a moderator on the Puritan board and is in subjection to his elders and all that stuff. I just, you know, w wanted to make sure that he understood that he needs to probably let his elders know um, that he is um, trashing, coming after me, saying that everything I'm doing is a waste of time. This video responding to Piper's false gospel is a waste of his time. Um, but by golly, uh, we don't emphasize the new birth and sanctification and all that stuff the way we should. And I posted links to sermons. I am quite certain he, he did not listen to any of those. But what do I know? I'm just an ordained minister of the gospel. So Anyway, uh, someone who's a moderator on the Puritan board, which I've never been a part of. Actually, you know what? I was um, on the Puritan board many years ago because there was one guy on there I wanted to send a private message to. But I've never participated in any of the threads or debates or anything like that on there uh, and have no intention of ever doing so. So anyway, um, just another dust up from, from an individual who is deaf, not listening. Um, people hear John Piper denying the biblical gospel and they absolutely trash and attack those of us who are trying to say that's not the truth and what he's saying is wrong. Uh, and I have, a, I have a whole, you know, a document I've compiled over the years of putting the quotations that I've found from his books and his sermons pointing out this is not Christianity. The guy, I mean, I just got... Uh, on the Unity of the Bible by Daniel Fuller. And at the beginning is this glowing, glowing endorsement by John Piper. Daniel P. Fuller. The guy who doesn't believe in inerrancy. Who denied justification by faith alone. And Piper's theology is, is Fuller's theology. Plus one thing. The imputation of Christ's righteousness to the account of the believing sinner. At the moment of, as Piper says, initial justification. Okay? Justification does not have an initial moment. Okay, as if it's a multi-stepped process. It is not. Justification, according to our own confessions, because it's what the Bible teaches, is an act. A one-time act. Not repeatable. It cannot be grown or increased. And it doesn't have a future aspect either. There is no future justification um, or future salvation or final salvation by fruit. That's not taught in Scripture. So I wanted to go through the Westminster Confession. I've, I think I've got this set up here correctly where I can do that on Bible Works. Oh, come on now. Where is it? Got to pull it up on the screen. Now, is it on there? Yeah, there it is. Okay, so I want to go through chapters 11, 13, 14, and 16, and also look at uh, some of the passages of Scripture. I think the font should be big enough here. And if you can't see the screen, it's no big deal. I'm going to read all this to you anyway. But I want to go through these chapters because they spell out these issues so clearly, so, so wonderfully, and they're so uh, precise and right on the money when it comes to the Bible. Okay. Um, that chapter 11 is on justification. Chapter uh, 13 is on uh, sanctification. Chapter 14 of the confession is of saving faith. What is faith? And then chapter 16, which really is the death knell to, to Piper's position, in terms of it being considered Reformation thinking, 
or, or confessional Reformed thinking, because it's not. Um, the, the chapter of good works, chapter 16, is outstanding. Absolutely essential truth uh, to be taught. Because it tells us what good works are. Good works don't save us. They're, they're not, we're not finally saved by fruit. They are fruits and evidence. And that's all they are. They are fruits and evidence. They help bring assurance to us. We see the, the fruit of the work of God. But the fruits of our faith do not and cannot save us. And the confession is very clear about that because the Bible is clear about that. Our good works do not and cannot save us from the avenging wrath of God against our sins. Okay, And, and if, we're, if we're not clear about that, then I have to wonder, what good are we? What good are we as ministers of the gospel then? Okay, more, more on that later. All right, chapter 11, um, point one of the confession here. Uh, based on, you know, scores of passages, they're all over here in the right-hand margin. Um, we're not, obviously not going to have time to go through all of them, or it would take, you know, a dozen programs to get through. And I, I want this to be, to be succinct. I've gone through these things. I've preached through the Westminster Confession. I'm on chapter, like, 27. There's like 90-something sermons, I think, maybe, on Sermon Audio, where I've gone through paragraph by paragraph, passage by passage, uh, through the Confession, and have covered all these issues of sanctification, justification, saving faith, good works, um, and what those things are and how they're taught in Scripture. Okay, those whom God effectually calleth, he also freely justifieth, not by infusing righteousness into them, but by pardoning their sins. And by the way, that's pardoning all their sins. And by accounting and accepting their persons as righteous. Not for anything wrought in them or done by them, but for Christ's sake alone. Nor by imputing faith itself, here's, this is a shot at the Arminians, the act of believing or any other evangelical obedience to them as their righteousness, but by imputing the obedience and satisfaction of Christ unto them, they receiving and resting on him and his righteousness by faith, which faith they have not of themselves as the gift of God. Now, when a person is justified, the moment that they are effectually called, united to Christ, and God grants them repentance unto life and saving faith, that faith unites them to Jesus Christ. They will go to heaven, no matter what. No matter what, they are going to heaven if they have that kind of faith right there. The faith that really rests on Christ alone, that person is justified, that verdict can not possibly be anything other than justified. And justification is indeed the verdict at the last day for our final judgment, whereby we are welcomed into heaven. It is based solely, completely, and only upon Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And that's why we emphasize it the way we do, because it's the way the apostles do. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is he that condemns? Now that is talking about justified or condemned on the last day. On the day of judgment, if Jesus Christ died for someone, they cannot be condemned for their sins. It is not possible that they could be condemned. They are not to look to their good works or the fruits of their faith or to their sanctification to save them at the last day. Okay? So let's, let's press on here. Faith, thus receiving and resting on Christ and his righteousness, is the alone instrument of justification. And just so you're aware, the Westminster Divines by justification meant the final verdict at the final judgment. Okay, that is what, they're not talking about initial justification because there's no such thing. What you're justified, you're justified once. It's an act of God. It's not repeatable. It cannot be grown or increased the way that the Council of Trent said that we grow and increase our justification. How can you grow and increase a verdict? You can't. Yet it is not alone in the person justified, but is ever accompanied with all other saving graces and is no dead faith, but worketh by love. 
perfectly said, Galatians 5, 6 is being quoted there, uh, faith working through love. That's right. A faith, listen to me, please. Justification by a faith that works is not the same as justification or getting into heaven by faith and works. That's not the same thing. Not even remotely close to the same thing. So justification by a faith which produces works, a faith that works through love, is not the same thing as getting into heaven by works or getting into heaven by love. Point three, Christ, by his obedience and death, did fully discharge the debt of all those that are justified. I mean, think, think about the implications. That was such a glorious statement. That's why Paul says it in Romans 5, 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Notice what Paul doesn't say. Much more than having now been initially justified by his blood, received entirely outside of us by faith alone, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through the fruits of our faith in accord with our sanctification. That's not what he says. If you're justified, you will be saved from the wrath of God because what Jesus bore at the cross was the fullness of divine wrath against all of our sins. Okay, there's nothing left for me to be saved from once Jesus has died in my place at the cross. And that's why it goes on, Romans 5.10. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not, not by our fruit, but by his life. Okay, very clear, very simple. Okay. <clears throat> and did uh, discharge the debt of all those that are thus justified, and did make a proper, real, and full satisfaction to his father's justice in their behalf, um, yet, inasmuch as he was given by the Father um, for them, and his obedience and satisfaction accepted in their stead, vicariously, substitutionarily, and both freely, not for anything in them, their justification is only of free grace, that both the exact justice and rich grace of God might be glorified in the justification of sinners. So, when John Piper stands in his pulpit and screams at the top of his lungs, You don't get into heaven by faith alone. You get justified by faith alone. What does that tell you? The man has no idea what justification is. He has no idea what God's justification of the sinner means. It is the application of the obedience and death of Christ to the believing sinner's legal account. And if you think that you don't get into heaven by that, you don't understand the gospel. You don't understand Christianity at all. It's, it, it's really sad. Why, why is his loyalty so much to Daniel Fuller instead of to the text of scripture? I don't know. I don't know. Sad. Point number four. God did from all eternity decree to justify all the elect, and Christ did in the fullness of time die for their sins and rise again for their justification. Nevertheless, they are not justified until the Holy Spirit doth in due time actually apply Christ unto them. Now, that's, that's the response to the idea of eternal justification, as if the, the elect, because they're united to Christ, before the foundation of the world, as if they come into the world already justified. And that's, that's uh, not taught in scripture. Think of Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, even Paul says, we were, like everybody else, by nature, children of wrath until the moment that we were saved. Uh, so eternal justification is not true. It's in, in time and space, at some point decreed by God. Sometimes it's in the womb. Sometimes it's right before someone dies. Like the, the um, repentant man on the cross you know, was one of God's elect from all eternity. Uh, but it, he, he didn't have Christ applied to him until uh, just a little bit before he died. Okay, point number five. God doth continue to forgive the sins of all those that are justified. And although they can never fall from the state of justification, yet they may by their sins fall under God's fatherly displeasure, 
and not have the light of his countenance restored unto them, until they humble themselves, confess their sins, beg pardon, and renew their faith and repentance. And that is speaking of the, the ongoing fellowship that we have with God. It's just like um, the, the husband and wife that are married, if they sin against each other, and it's not confessed and not repented of, it can really rupture their fellowship and their closeness, although they're still married. It's the same thing with God. Um, God's children can fall under his fatherly displeasure, but they're, they're not losing their justification and regaining it or anything like that. that that's, that's not what that's saying. And we see that with David and, and other uh, believers that were disciplined by God for their sins. Okay, point six. The justification of believers under the Old Testament was, in all these respects, one and the same with the justification of believers under the New Testament. And that's Romans chapter four teaches that very, very, very clearly. Uh, Abraham was justified by faith alone and not by keeping the law. Um, David is brought up, Romans 4, 6 through 8. Uh, David was justified by faith and not by keeping the law after the law was given. Um, and uh, we are justified by faith alone and not by works or by fruit. And we don't get into heaven by fruit or anything like that uh, after the coming of Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 4, really um, looking at that in great detail many years ago was really the end of, of all dispensational thinking <laughs> out, of, out of my bloodstream for sure. Okay, so that's justification. Really once over lightly, um, just kind of really looking at that at a high level. Now, sanctification. Uh, what RPCNA Covenanter and what all all Piper defenders and Eve I'm not really defending him. I'm just saying you're 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 not really pointing out anything seriously wrong, <laughs> which tells you either he doesn't understand the gospel or he's not listening to what Piper says. Someone stands up and yells, "You're you don't get into heaven by faith alone. You get justified by faith alone." That tells you they don't know what justification is. Listen, and and and, and by the way, one of the reasons that Piper doesn't care about this, he he doesn't think it's a big deal to have God saving us by less than perfect obedience, Piper doesn't have a clearly defined covenant of works in his system that Christ has to enter into and fulfill. And you know why he doesn't have that? Because uh, Fuller didn't. Fuller did not believe that there was a covenant of works. He thought that everything was grace. And so if you think that everything is grace, then actually nothing is grace. And as a matter of fact, instead of a grace principle operating everywhere, you have a works principle operating everywhere. Because what could be clearer than the fact that God makes commands of men and expects him expects man to obey those things. If you're going to say it's all grace, then well, keeping keeping the commandments is, is a form of grace. And that's just not true at all. Covenant of works, covenant of grace. you got to have both things clearly in your system because the Bible does. The Bible does. With Adam, God made a covenant with Adam and all of his posterity in him, um, obligating him to personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience to God's law. Adam broke it. Christ had to enter into that broken covenant of works, that broken law, and fulfill it perfectly for us. Not only positively keeping its righteous requirements, but taking the, the penal sanction away as well at the cross. And that's why we look to our justification as that which alone gains us a welcomed entrance into heaven. We don't look to our sanctification for that. Although God always sanctifies everybody that he justifies. It doesn't mean we're saved by sanctification. Okay, we're sinners saved by grace, not saints saved by sanctification. Okay, they who are once effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them, are further sanctified, really and personally, through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection. By his word and spirit dwelling in them, the dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed, and the several lusts thereof are more and more weakened and mortified. Think of uh, that passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul says, I want you more and more to abound uh, in, in good works and in being sanctified. This is the will of God for you, your sanctification. 
So the lust of the flesh and the inner man and our desires and our sins are more and more weakened. We die more and more under sin and live more and more into righteousness as time goes on. That has nothing to do with what saves us from God's wrath. Nothing. Nothing. And to the practice of true holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Okay, there, there's Piper's favorite Bible verse, Hebrews 12, 14, uh, which is saying, quite rightly, that um, without holiness, we are to strive for peace and pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Saying that without holiness, no one will say the Lord is not the same as saying you are saved by your holiness that you've pursued. Okay, giving a description of those that do see the Lord as those that pursue holiness, those that are in some way practically holy, is not the same as saying that we're saved by that holiness. And therein is the confusion. In fact, in his clarification, Piper said word for word, what he said was, Hebrews 12, 14, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That is, we will not be finally saved. And it's kind of like, that's not what Hebrews 12, 14 says. There's nothing about salvation there or being saved by our holiness or anything of the kind. Okay, point two. This sanctification is throughout in the whole man, yet imperfect in this life. There abideth still some remnants of corruption in every part. Romans chapter 7 clearly teaches that. Whence ariseth a continual and irreconcilable war. Think of, of Romans 7.22 says that. There's this law at war within my members. The flesh lusting against the spirit. That's Galatians 5.17. And the spirit against the flesh. So that we do not do the things that we desire. And the things we hate, we often do. Romans 7.15 says that. Okay, next point. Uh, point three. This is under the category of sanctification. In which war, although the remaining corruption for a time may much prevail... Yet through the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ, the regenerate part doth overcome, and so the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Okay, so very clear, very simple. Uh, sanctification is not that which saves us. It's not something that plays a role in our salvation. It, it just blows my mind. Well, in systematic theologies, under the category of soteriology, of salvation proper, Sanctification is treated there. So that so saying that we're saved by sanctification is therefore proper and okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. Pointing out that this is another thing that God does in the life of a person does not mean we're saved by it. And it, it's amazing to me how sloppy people are with that. Um, it's, it's so important to get this right. Uh, and people just don't seem to really care that much. The grace of faith. This is a, the chapter of saving faith, chapter 14. And then we'll, we'll look at chapter 16. Of good works. So this is of saving faith, chapter 14. The grace of faith, whereby the elect are enabled to believe to the saving of their souls. Notice that the confession teaches that it is belief that to the saving of our souls, not to the initial step of salvation, which is then we're saved by sanctification. We believe to the saving of our souls is the work of the spirit of Christ in their hearts and is ordinarily wrought by the ministry of the word by which also and by the administration of the sacraments and prayer it is increased and strengthened. So Romans ten seventeen faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, faith does not originate uh, within us. It is, as Thomas Brooks would say, it is a fruit that groweth not in nature's garden. Repentance, faith, do not grow in nature's garden. They are sovereign gifts given by the Holy Spirit through the work of the word ordinarily. That's how it's done. The, the reason they say that is because um, for example, John the Baptist was full of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, um, the mental incapacity of mentally disabled people or infants, small children, is not a hindrance to God saving them. God is able to supernaturally work um, in their hearts and save them. 
But ordinarily, ordinarily, uh, the uh, faith is worked in the heart of, of a sinner uh, by the word of God, um, ordinarily. Okay, point two. By faith, a, by this faith, a Christian believeth to be true whatsoever is revealed in the word, for the authority of God himself speaking therein. Okay, so our relationship with this book right here, this book, the Bible, changes dramatically when we become Christians. Really changes. And that's why all this progressivism that, that's killing the PCA and all the liberal garbage that's out there, we would look at that and say, that's just unbelief. These people don't believe that they're not Christians. They don't have true faith. Because true faith is going to cause that person's heart to hear the voice of their shepherd in scripture. They will not see quotations from Paul and say, well, that's just Paul. And that's not Jesus. So, you know, we don't have to really believe Paul. Wrong. He who hears the apostles hears Jesus, he said. And he who rejects you, saying to his apostles, rejects me. You reject the apostle Paul, you reject Christ. Okay, so by this faith, a Christian believes whatever is revealed in the Bible to be true, for the authority of God himself speaking therein, and acteth differently upon that which each particular passage thereof containeth, yielding obedience to the commands, trembling at the threatenings, and embracing the promises of God for this life and that which is to come. But the principal acts of saving faith are... Accepting, receiving, and resting upon Christ alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life by virtue of the covenant of grace. Now what John Piper does, and what so many in our time today do, they try to say faith is a working thing. It's the work of faith. And that's what our confession here is being very careful to avoid. Faith is not works. The fact that faith results in works, and scripture speaks of faith working, is not saying that faith is works. The principal acts of saving faith are not working, but accepting, receiving, and resting on Christ alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life. Okay, so faith is not obedience to God. Faith is simply believing what the word of God says and trusting in Christ alone, receiving and resting on Christ. When you think about what's going to get me into heaven, that faith that's given to us by God rests on Christ alone. Alone. You see that there? See that word alone? Christ alone. Not Christ plus my fruit, but Christ alone. Okay, point three. Last point about saving faith. This faith is different in degrees, weak or strong, may often in many ways be assailed and weakened, but gets the victory. Growing up in many to the attainment of a full assurance through Christ. You see what they're, they're saying there? Pastorally. Not every Christian has real full assurance. Some, some struggle long. Uh, to come to full assurance. But pointing out here, um, it, many will attain to a full assurance. Not everyone has that kind of full assurance, but many attain to it um, through Christ, who is both the author and finisher of our faith. Okay, so there you have justification, sanctification, and saving faith. Now, this next, uh, all, all these chapters are important. The, the chapter on repentance would be worth going through too. But I want to point out of good works. Okay, because when people say that the way Piper says this is biblical historical and you know he says this i'm not alone that people saying we're finally saved by our works and by our fruit that that's the way that the reformation talked about this no it is not and it's not what the reformed confessions teach either chapter 16 verse 1 good works are only such as god hath commanded in his holy word okay so for example treating yourself harshly or uh um, ascetic practices like the, what the monks did in the medieval times and sleeping in the freezing cold and, and fasting for six days at a time, that is not a good work. 
that good works are only what God commands in his word. Okay, so we're not allowed to make up things um, that are good works. And not such as without the warrant thereof, without the warrant of the Bible, are devised by men out of blind zeal or upon any pretense of good intention. Okay, point two. These good works done in obedience to God's commands, listen, are the fruits and evidences of a true and lively faith. Notice they don't say, these good works done in obedience to God's commands are the fruit by which we are finally saved and welcomed into heaven. Notice they don't say that. They are the fruits and evidences of a true and lively faith. And by them, believers manifest their thankfulness. See the gratitude ethic? Piper explicitly repudiates gratitude as the motivation for holiness. He does not believe that. And yet, it's what scripture says. 2 Corinthians 4.15. In fact, let me pull up. I have another copy of Bible works up here. I don't think... Yeah. 2 Corinthians 4.15. Key passage. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. There, the term eucharistion. The giving of thanksgiving. What does grace cause? What does it cause? Well, it causes us to look for more grace, for faith and future grace. No, it causes thanksgiving for what Christ has already accomplished in the past for us. We even have a sacrament to remember the death of Christ. And when we remember the death of Christ on the cross, but when we take the Lord's Supper and commune with him, that term koinonia is not the cup, a communion, a koinonia in the blood of Christ is not the, the bread, a communion, a koinonia in the body of Christ. We are remembering our salvation being accomplished. We're not remembering the initial justification. We're not remembering the initial step. We're remembering that Christ has paid it all. And that what he did saves us entirely by himself, what he did outside of us. So by them, believers manifest their thankfulness. We manifest our thankfulness for God's having already perfectly guaranteed us eternal life and being welcomed into heaven by what Christ has done outside of us, not by what the Spirit does within us. Recognizing that sanctification is a real thing does not mean that we believe we're saved by being sanctified. We are not saved. We're not saved from the wrath of God at the last day, at the final judgment, by sanctification or through sanctification. Okay, listen to the rest of this section of the Confession. Edify their brethren by their good works. Edify their brethren. Adorn the profession of the gospel. Stop the mouths of adversaries. Think of all these passages. 1 Peter chapter 2 there saying, live such good lives among the pagans that although they accuse you of doing evil, they may by your good works uh, glorify your father in the day of visitation. Okay, it stops the mouths of adversaries. It glorifies God, whose workmanship they are, creating Christ Jesus thereunto, that having their fruit unto holiness, they may have the end, eternal life. So what are good works? They are the fruits and evidences of a true and lively faith. We have that fruit unto holiness and the end, eternal life. Exactly. Not that we're saved by them, not that they cause us to, to, they confirm our faith and validate it so that then we can be led into heaven. There is no initial justification or anything like that. Now listen to the next part, or point number three. Their ability to do good works is not at all of themselves, but wholly from the Spirit of Christ. Amen. Amen. Like Augustine said, everything good I've ever done is for the glory of God and is because of God and the rest is my fault. Why do I do anything good? Jesus Christ. It continues on. 
and that they may be enabled thereunto, besides the graces that they have already received, there is required an actual influence of the same Holy Spirit to work in them to will and to do of his good pleasure. Yet they are, I'm sorry, yet are they not hereupon to grow negligent, as if they were not bound to perform any duty, unless upon a special motion of the, of the Spirit. There you have an attack against quietism. Um, and the idea, let go and let God. I so, someone asked, um, what should we say if, if our friends tell us let go and let God? And Ken Jones from the White Horse Inn says, shoot the friend. <laughs> I'm not saying that, obviously. Um, but we are not to be quietists. We don't wait for the Spirit to like tell us to do something. You obey the Word of God. You obey the Word of God. But they ought to be diligent in stirring up the grace of God that is in them. That's right. We should stir that, that gift up that, that's given to us. Okay, point four. Very important. They who in their obedience attain to the greatest height which is possible in this life. The, the, those who are as sanctified as a sinner can be are so far from being able to super arrogate and to do more than God requires as that they fall short of much in which, which in duty they are bound to do. What, what does super arrogate mean? That's a Roman Catholic term. The idea of saints who went above and beyond what the law requires. And their excess merits go into a tre- the thesaurus meritorum and can be dulled out through indulgences and uh, special works of men and uh, wearing brown scapulars when you die and all kinds of, of uh, wonderful fun stuff in Romanism. We, we are so far from, from, going, from fulfilling, satisfying the demands of God's law that we fall short in everything that we do. Even if we are as sanctified as a sinner can be in this life. Okay, now, here's one of the key parts, point number five and six. Listen carefully to these. We cannot, by our best works, merit pardon of sin or eternal life at the hand of God by reason of the great disproportion that is between them and the glory to come and the infinite distance that is between us and God, whom by them we can neither profit nor satisfy for the debt of our former sins. And I would point out, nor can we be finally saved by them either, because there's no such divine act as, quote, final salvation by fruit. There's no such thing. But when we have done all we can, we have done but our duty and are unprofitable servants. And because as they are good, they proceed from his spirit. And as they are wrought by us, they are defiled and mixed with so much weakness and imperfection that they cannot endure the severity of God's judgment. And I'd like to make a point of application. Neither can they save us at the last day. We are not finally saved through sanctification. We are saved once and for all, meaning justified from the curse, by the shed blood and the imputed righteousness of Christ, and that is the gospel. That is the beating heart of our reconciliation with God. Now the, five, now the last a couple points here. Point six, notwithstanding the persons of believers being accepted through Christ, their good works are also accepted in him. Not as though they were in this life wholly unblameable and unreprovable in God's sight, but that he, looking upon them in his son, is pleased to accept and reward that which is sincere, although accompanied with many weaknesses and imperfections. God is so gracious, he even gives us reward. Whatever that really fully is, he gives that to us, that which is, was sincere, but went up to him associated with the fragrant aroma of Christ because we are in him, he will reward even that, even though it's accompanied with weaknesses and imperfections. That's how gracious he is. Now that reward is not salvation. It's not future salvation or final salvation or future justification or future being allowed into heaven. Listen to the last one. 
This is about unregenerate men. Works done by unregenerate men, although for the matter of them, they may be things which God commands, and of good use both to themselves and others. Yet because they proceed not from a heart purified by faith, nor are done in a right manner, according to the word, nor to a right end, the glory of God, they are therefore sinful and cannot please God, or make a man meet to receive grace from God, and yet their neglect of them is more sinful and displeasing unto God. So, so much for... Pope John Paul II, and now Francis, you know, talking about, you know, atheists that are nice enough to go to heaven and all that other stuff. Works done by unregenerate men, no matter how good they are, uh, are sinful because they do not proceed from a heart purified by faith. Okay, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay, so that's what historic reformed biblical theology teaches about justification, sanctification, the new heart that we are given. And the necessity of good works. You know, people ask me, are good works necessary for salvation? Immediately, I'm just going to follow that up with a question. You're not being precise enough. Necessary in what way? As fruits and evidence? Yeah. Someone who hasn't been renewed? Obviously, that faith is not real. And it's not divinely given. But recognizing that those other graces, the, the renewed heart, the sanctified life, that those always accompany salvation, is not the same as saying we're saved by them. And that's what Piper's saying. And he's been saying it for years and years and years. In fact, I read the foreword to Daniel Fuller's On the Unity of the Bible, and Piper is saying the same. He wrote that foreword in 1991. 1991. That's 30 years ago. And his position hasn't changed. And it's amazing that so many, so few, um, are willing to say, look, recognizing that we're justified by a faith that results in works is not the same as saying that initial justifications by faith alone and then future justification or final salvation is by fruit. That's not the same thing. Recognizing God always sanctifies everyone that he justifies and a person who has no interest in discipleship or the church or putting sin to death or pursuing holiness, that person is not a Christian. That is not the same as saying we're saved by those things. All I've done as a minister of the gospel is I have, I have labored to protect the gospel and to make sure that Christ receives his rightful place as the only Savior of sinners, and that it is his blood and his righteousness alone which save us, and we receive those benefits by faith alone. Completely apart from our works. We, Piper says, we should not say you can live like the devil and still go to heaven. Here's my answer. When people say, you're, you don't put enough emphasis on the changed life and on the new heart and living a sanctified life. May it never be. May Genoita. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? That's a rhetorical question. It's impossible. A person who's been to the cross in union with Christ, they have died with Christ. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, that we died with him? We have been freed from slavery to sin. Having been set free from sin, we became slaves of righteousness. Recognizing that, teaching that, is not saying we're saved by sanctification or through sanctification or that there's any such doctrine as final salvation by fruit. Those are false teachings and they destroy the gospel. Piper is very clear. There is this initial justification. Works aren't acceptable for initial justification, but works finally save you at the last day. That's not the gospel. That is the Judaizing heresy. It, that is the Judaizing heresy. And if you don't understand that justification, God's justification of the sinner, who is in union with Christ by faith alone, 
when God changes that verdict, that person is saved from the wrath of God judicially, they are going to heaven. And they cannot possibly go anywhere other than heaven because God has justified him. Who is he that condemns? That's what justification is. Justification is an application of the work of Christ. And if you misunderstand justification and think it's just the initial step, you don't understand the gospel. I don't care how many Puritan boards you're a moderator on. I don't care how many conferences someone speaks at or how many books they've written or how many people fawn all over them and drool over everything they say. You get this one wrong, you're outside the kingdom of God. And Paul said, if I come back and tell you something other than sola fide, let me be anathema. If an angel from heaven comes and tells you something other than that, may they be anathema. If anyone comes, Peter, Paul, an apostle, an angel, let them be anathema. The authority is in the gospel itself, not on the messenger. If I, Pastor Kynes, tell you something other than this, let me be anathema too. But by the grace and mercy of God, I will always rise up to the defense of the gospel. If it means that I'm hated by people on the Puritan board or anywhere else, I could not possibly care less. Don't care at all. I'm going to preach the gospel because that's what I took ordination vows to do. That's what I took ordination vows to do. I intend to keep that vow throughout the rest of my life. I will always defend the gospel and also defend the fact that God grants repentance and does sanctify every person he justifies. But we're not saved by sanctification or through sanctification. And there's no such doctrine as final salvation by fruit. That is a false teaching and it detracts from the work of Christ. And as long as people are out there saying it or defending it or muddying it, they will find an opponent right here in me. Thank you for watching or for listening. This is Pastor Patrick Hines of Bridwell Heights Presbyterian Church, and you've been listening to the Pulpit Supplemental Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.bridwellheightspca.org. Our sermons are streamed through Sermon Audio, and you can listen to that on the iTunes podcast version of Bridwell Heights Presbyterian Church. Feel free to join us any Sunday morning for worship at 11 a.m. sharp at 108 Bridwell Heights Road in Kingsport, Tennessee. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.